Welcome back, Justin and Lucy, to Sexy Saturday, number four in the series. So welcome. How are you all doing? We're doing great. I think I personally am really happy that the school year is almost over. So I'm counting down the days. Who is that behind you? That is our little fur baby, Siggy. She's a Shiba Inu. We've had her, we got her shortly after we got married and she's about four years old now. And she's just our little brat. Well, she looks very well behaved right now. Right now. Well, let's get into it. We've talked about communication, love languages, sex before marriage. We've talked about porn. Let's talk today about keeping love alive in your marriage. How do you do it? How do we do it? How do we do it? Do you want to talk first? I think I can. I, I'll let I, you think. Planning. Planning, communication, synced calendars, communication, and... Communication yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's no one right way to do it, but, but making sure that you're... That as a couple that you're able to, to make those times for, for intimacy or for closeness or just to get away and get out of your regular routine, because it's really easy to fall into an, a routine. And that's where a lot of people feel like they lose the love actually. So one, if you're able to find like those breaks from the regular, then that can be helpful as well. Mm-hmm. And Justin is a little bit different from me. I actually love routines at least for some amount, some amount of time. And I think for us, it was also important to find routine ways of getting close together. So for example, what we started doing, I think it was like a year ago, is to walk this one together. And it's time for us to talk together and connect and talk about the day. And we don't have our phones on usually (laughs) and it's just it's just a short walk but even that helps us connect and sometimes it's part of conversation that follows once we get home and we continue talking about it and I'd say that things like that are so important because once you are each other's partner and best friend and you have to keep that alive Mm -hmm. and and be in each other's lives know what's happening and do things together what if you have drifted away from being each other's best friend, best confidant? What is your suggestions there? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think my thought always goes back to whenever you're in a position and you're not happy with that position, like you were in the past, like you were more happy in the past with, with that thing then go back to what was in the past and and try to rebuild from there so if there if you know you and your and your spouse are closer together we're closer together a few years back and now you're you're kind of you've kind of drifted apart well what did you do in the past that allowed for that closeness was it a date night was it games was it talking about books was it whatever and we don't have kids yet but we know that that children can really play a huge role in that. And so you a lot of times what that means is going and finding a time without the children. <laughs> and I know it's not always easy to do, but, but being able to get away where it's just the two of you and being able to come back together and 
I know that in some cases that might not be incredibly easy because maybe there's there's bitterness or or whatever that's kind of come in and taken the place of that of that intimacy. But trying to well, just approaching the the situation with humility and and being self-sacrificing, I would say. Those are I would I can't imagine that that would take you down a wrong path in a relationship. And I think that it's important to put God first, or if if you have God then put God first and then your spouse second, but it should be the first person in your life. And so if, if you have even a friend or maybe your children that kind of took away that place, make sure that you switch it back. And I know it's easy for us to say when we don't have kids yet, but I've seen this with my parents and we always knew. And even my mom told me when I was a small girl, she said, I remember having conversation with her when she said, you know what, I love you all very much, all four of you, but I will always love your father more. Mm -hmm. And I remember it as a kid. And I thought at first I was kind of hurt because I was just, you know, every kid is a little bit selfish sometimes. And I was like, but why more dad? And then she explained, she said, well, one day you guys are going to leave, but he is my life partner. He's the one I want to grow old with. And so I always took that example. And even when we do will have kids, I already promised or, or decided myself that I won't keep Justin first. And I want to listen to his decisions. I want to listen to his insight. And I, if he doesn't agree with something we, I decided with the kids, I'm going to change it because of him. And yeah, I think that's really important. Do you think mothers struggle with that? I'd say yes. I'd say it's really difficult if you have a human being growing inside of you for such a long time. And then that child is still a little bit one with you. And I think it's incredible, incredibly difficult for a mom to start the process of separation. And I think you kind of have to surrender the child a little bit in your own heart. And I've already started praying about it. I've already said, God, I want to surrender my heart in this. And I want to start the life of this child with the thought that this child will be completely independent of me one day. And that's what I want because that's what God wants. It's just uh, a person and human being that God put in my arms to take care of, to raise and to grow, to, to raise them up. But then they'll leave. And that's how it's supposed to be. And I sometimes hear, and I guess I'll have the same thoughts once I'm a mom, but I, I heard mom say on, on a wedding day of their sons, I wish you were 12 again. And I don't want to be there. I don't want, of course, there are things you will miss, you know, because it, it just goes by so fast. But I think it's super important that your children know mm -hmm. that they can grow and and grow apart from you and create their own family and, and their live own their life. own life. I remember it's been several years ago. I had a friend who she and her husband were contemplating a move to another city. And it was actually wonderful opportunities for them both um, it's separately, but both for their careers. And she was struggling because her children 
were in schools. They wanted to stay in their neighborhood. They wanted to stay with their friends. And I just told her point blank. I said, I think what is best for your kids is what is best for you and your husband, because you are the solid foundation for them. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And I'll, I'll never forget that. And later on, they are no longer together. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, uh, I think we do have choices to make in relationships. And I think that you do have to prioritize being together and being committed to each other and forming a, a united front in front of your children. But hey, we're not we're not here to talk about parenting. <laughs> no, I think you hit a really good point there, though. Um, making it a priority—that's uh, ultimately what keeps the love alive. Because you have to. You love isn't a feeling. I've had talks with people about this, and and love really isn't a feeling. It's I 100% believe that love. Yeah, that you can feel in love. That's that's one thing. But actively loving is is a choice, and. If it's going to be a choice, then it needs to be, if it's an an important choice, which I feel like love is a very important choice, then it needs to be a priority as well. And so if you're going to prioritize your relationship and that even, and that ultimately comes down to prioritizing your relationships with other people as well, whether it's friends and family or children, prioritizing your, your relationship to your spouse or, or to the person that, that you're going to be with needs to be the top priority. And then, and then other things need to be, what's the word? I forgot the English word. Like they need to come under that. I think that with all things happening in our lives and in marriage, there are so many stages before kids, small kids, teenagers, after kids, but not just with kids, like you can move, you can change jobs. So there is a lot going on in one marriage and so it will probably need some adjusting and it will probably need to change things that you've done. Like on one hand, Justin talked about going back, but on the other, maybe you will have to really change how you do your Mm. date night because it's no longer possible the way you've done it. Mm. But yeah, prioritizing is really important. And I'd say if you feel at loss with how to do it and maybe, and I think that's another part why couples might drift apart. And that's when there is uh, some kind of tension or conflict that they are not able to resolve. I would definitely say, go and see a good counselor or therapist. Therapist? Therapist. Therapist, sorry. Because if, if you're not even able to talk about topic together without arguing, that means you need someone who will show you what's the problem and i even know couples and we've been actually talking about it ourselves that we would like to do this once a year or maybe some other period of time counseling yeah like a checkup of our marriage with a good counselor or a therapist because it can be really difficult to see what's going on in your Mm -hmm. marriage if you're in it every day and you have your own perspective and when emotions are involved we are rarely rational especially Mm. I as a woman can say that I tend to be very emotional and then go with the flow of the emotions sometimes so I think definitely like get help get someone who understands the concept of marriage so well 
that if they see you talking, they say, okay, this is the problem. This is how you can work on it. So what about if one or the other has changed and the other one has not experienced as much growth? Like I've heard complaints, oh, they've changed. Well, sometimes I think you want the person to grow and change. And then in reverse, sometimes I don't think you do. So how do you deal with one has changed and one has not? And they each have different expectations of how growth in a marriage would happen. Yeah, change, I think generally change is a good thing. And maybe that's just my Americanness. But I think when, if your spouse is changing and, and it's in a positive way, then that's a great thing. And maybe it just means that that is a challenge for you. Because if, if your spouse is growing in a way that that challenges you, but you don't want to make that challenge, then I think that's a very serious discussion because you've married that person and you've made a commitment to be with that person. So that needs to be evaluated. And, and I would personally, I think if you've made the commitment to marry someone, then you've made the commitment to change and to, to meet those challenges head on and in a positive way. And yeah, so I think like if, if it's, if change is happening for the better, then change should be happening in both for the better. And, and I think that's, that's worth a, an open and honest discussion about how that can happen. We've actually had to have conversations like that. I had to evolve a lot in our marriage. Because when we, when, even in our relationship, because I'm five years younger than Justin. And of course, in some ways, I wasn't quite there yet. And so Justin had to wait for me in a way. Sometimes he had to have an honest conversation with me about, hey, I really need you to accept that this is what we have to think about. This is what we have to deal with. This is what we will have to talk about. If you're not ready yet, it's okay, I can wait. But I need you to know that this is where we're going. And it's been challenging for me, for sure. And especially with me just being a student, him working, me working full part-time. I Sometimes it was just different mentality of thinking about things and even time management sometimes. And I really had to do my part of growing up in that. And I don't think people change as much. I think it can happen that people have maybe pretended to be someone else before they married you. Mm-hmm. And you cannot do that for long. You cannot. Yeah, it's not, it's not possible to hold that mask in place yeah. while you're married because you just, you're all up in each other's business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And marriage brings the best and it brings the worst out of you. So it will will definitely show. And so I think in that case, it's really good. And that's what we talked about in the second episode, not to sleep with each other, because then you will really actually see things on the other person. And whenever we talk with couples who are dating, we rejoice with them when they have a conflict or when they are arguing, because we say, this is teaching you how to communicate and this is teaching you how the other person reacts in stress in difficult situations. And my mom even told me when you're dating someone, go for a trip, like go somewhere, experience something that's really difficult and tough and brings a lot of stress and a lot of unexpected. We did that several times going to America together. <laughs> well, going to America, I can even think of 
just doing something that both of you are not good at, uh-huh. whether one person's good and the other person's not, or where both of you are terrible at it, uh, like canoeing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought, I thought we were over. Three or two times. It wasn't on purpose, just so no, everyone knows. No, no, it wasn't, but... But yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think what Lucy's saying is, is exactly right on. Like it's, it's important to have those, those experiences where it brings you into a sharp contrast with each other, or it can maybe cause an argument or something like that. Just not an argument necessarily, but conflict. I think that's incredibly healthy for the relationship and, and in the aspect of like where one person's changing another person and another person is not, or or maybe it, the person is changing for the negative because they're they kept a lot of things secret. Again, that's that's conflict, of course, and it's good to be able to have an open and honest communication conversation about all of that, and to just approach the situation with hum- humility. Because even though, say, I'm the one who feels like I'm growing in, in a positive way, and the other person isn't meeting up to that, and and I want to challenge them to meet me there. Well, I also need to have the humility to realize that maybe I'm not seeing all the details or maybe I'm not understanding the situation fully, or maybe I'm overlooking some glaring issues or or problems in myself. So just having the humility and again, just the the love, the self-sacrificing attitude to to walk into a conflict and be open and honest. And back to your question with, anything like that you always have to love and respect the other person no matter what mm. like that's the that's the whole principle if it has to be unconditional and you have to be able to go beyond what they are doing or how they are changing mm. what if someone is hesitant or even fearful to be vulnerable in front of their partner for fear of what the partner, how they would react and and be not accepting of what they need to discuss. The first thing that comes to my mind is get naked. But to be honest, like, I mean, like, obviously, uh, I'm talking about within the within a marriage. But but yeah, just just there are times when it is hard to talk about what's really going on inside of us. And uh, sometimes, I guess coming as a guy, and sometimes it's not always easy to to exactly articulate what is going on on the inside. And that's where it's important to take a beat and just think about, it's important to just take a beat and to think about what you're feeling and try to, and trying to put that into words, trying to put that into words and trying to make it something that you can actually communicate and present to the other person because there are a lot of complicated emotions and, and complicated feelings. And there have been things that I've been afraid to talk to Lucy about. And some in, I think just about every situation I've had to just rip off the bandaid and just say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is why I'm feeling insecure, or this is what's making me angry. And it's a situation that I feel like I can't control or something like mm-hmm. this. And yeah, that's, that's all I can really say about that. Just ripping off i strongly recommend just ripping off the band-aid you will never you will only feel loved to the extent of what you're revealing about yourself like if you're hiding things away from your partner 
you will not feel loved in those areas yeah. of your life of your heart and i guess for a girl i don't know if that's for every girl but sometimes i had that mindset of oh he has to guess what it's in my mind like <laughs> he hurt me so now i let him guessing but it, and it's like this stubborn like not talking to you and i'm not explaining and i had to just get over myself and and put down the pride and the ego and be vulnerable and it is scary and i guess to answer your question i'd ask why are you scared to be vulnerable is it because of the communication you had with your parents or is it something someone has done and again if you feel like you cannot overcome that therapy or counseling might be a great way to deal with the problem and to go through it and um, overcome it mm. because it is essential to be vulnerable if you stop being vulnerable i think that's another way of losing the love mm. you you have to keep to be open and it's scary because when you're open you keep space for the other person to hurt you but it's the only way marriage can work do the both of you have a lot in common do you have more in common or more differences and and if you have more differences how do you celebrate those differences i feel like we have more differences <laughs> lucy is introverted and i am extroverted and we found this out during covid because lucy was so content uh, during lockdown mm -hmm. so content to be shut up at home and not come in contact with anybody and i was not i rearranged the living room i think three or four times yes and then rearranged the office twice i think and then our bedroom i was going stir crazy so and i was going crazy from you by the way. <laughs> uh, and also, I feel like there are some normal differences. Like, I think I can withstand a little bit more physical exertion than Lucy can. Oh, Lucy's, Lucy's afraid of heights. I like to climb. Mm -hmm. um, what else? You love spicy food. I used to hate it. You hate, you love bland food. No. Like, she thought pepper was spicy. <laughs> but now you have to say something. Now it's much better. Now sometimes it's, much better. it's too spicy when I cook, even for you. I fixed her. But... Yeah, you fixed me. <laughs> uh, of course, there are some cultural differences as well in our case. But like there's so much. Justin loves to, or Justin's so warm at night. And I'm usually so, so cold. So I want to snuggle. But then he's too warm. And I'm so dying. He, so. he like, <laughs> he's going away and I'm still there and like moving with him. <laughs> and then I am touchy-feely and Justin is not that. He's very practical to the point. I remember the first time when he still lives in dreamland. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I wish I could. I've learned not to, but it would be the perfect life for me. And then Justin, I remember the first time she... We, we sat down and, sorry, he, we sat down and he started to talk about, okay, once your parents die, this is what we're going to do. Like, do you know how, what's yeah. your father's will? Like, this is how much to the point and practical he is. And I, I remember how hurt I was and I told him and he's like, well, I'm sorry, I understand, but this is something we have to deal mm -hmm. with. Well, and the whole reason why we had that conversation was because the next conversation we needed to have was 
our plans of plans of contingency of what we want to happen when when we have children. What mm-hmm. if the children is handy if the child is handicapped? What about if the child like God forbid, but if the child were to suddenly die at a young age, like what do we do? And having all these like contingency yeah. plans in place. What if one of us died? Yeah. Like, so it, it's something that's not natural for me at all. I also tend to be Justin, you you are harsh. <laughs> I'm, I am. I am. I'm future oriented. I, I think I like to think of, I just like to have a plan and a vision for what's going to go on because then I feel like the rest of life, uh, it gives the rest of life better order. I, I don't, I can be a chaotic person sometimes, but I don't enjoy chaos, which is kind of, um, a contradiction, but. And I've learned to appreciate that about him and see that some of those differences we celebrate because it brings the good like when Justin is talking about future and finances and how we're going to do everything and and focusing on the practical I'm the one to remind us that there is also the spiritual and there is God to take care of us and if he is very practical with the wills and and us possibly dying and stuff I I need that because I don't like talking about these things and I if I lived with someone, someone else, I would avoid it. I would never go there. And so it's really good for me because it gives us safety and, mm. and, and really it gives me peace because I know that he has a plan and he's really responsible with how we're and where we're going. And some things you can just assimilate, I guess. Yeah. So spicy food is no problem for me anymore. And I actually put sometimes more salt than you do, but the salt, yeah, sometimes yeah. just got a <laughs> little bit of a heavy hand. But you brought up an, <laughs> you brought up an interesting point earlier about the transitions you both went through during COVID and during lockdown and the statistics right now on marriages who are suffering tremendously because of the amount of time that caused them to suddenly have to interact with one another. They both were not going off to their separate jobs. They were spending every moment together and it, it just brought a lot of tension. It brought a lot of conflict and it was, it was breaking up a lot of relationships. Talk a little bit about give comfort or give advice to those that might be going through that yeah um man if if that's happening to to one of the the listeners first thing that comes up is is i just feel really really sorry because i i know that i my parents have gotten divorced and and i know that divorce is not easy and it's it leaves us its marks regardless of the situation regardless of of the people involved it it leaves its marks and and it's very hard to to go through so that's that's the first thing is is i'm just so sorry that that that's happening on the other end it is again like we were talking about earlier the the lockdown is certainly a challenge and it's certainly a conflict area even though even though it's it's not something that that anybody expected or anybody essentially signed up for it's still a a conflict area because you're you're coming you're you're meeting something that you're not used to or that that is not normal for you and now you have to figure out how to work with within that and i i know that lucy and i experienced 
experienced basically the same thing when we when we were in were first in quarantine together. I think Lucy and I have been in quarantine like three or four times. And I worked at a different job and I had my work friends and Lucy worked Lucy worked part-time in the school and she was also a student. And so when when lockdown hit and we're suddenly in one apartment together all the time, we've well we've never essentially been in a situation like that except for over the holidays or something when when we're traveling. And so being like around each other 100% of the time is difficult. And, and we had to, I mean, we did have arguments about stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. We, we did have arguments that where, or we did have moments where I really was like, oh my gosh, she's getting on my nerves. Like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. But Sorry, the, I think when I quote him, he said, I think one day I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> to be, yeah. But you've got to learn to laugh at yourself and you've got to learn to not take, not take things so seriously. A lot of times we get really upset about things that are really not that important. And, and I think if you're, if you're in a situation where you're able to still work on the relationship, then I would say, try to work on it and, and just don't take things, don't take, if it's not a serious thing, don't take it seriously. It's always difficult when the relationship is somehow falling apart or there is something wrong. And there are so many reasons why there can be. And whether it's the challenges Justin talked about of something you cannot influence, or if it's just not really being able to talk to one another without arguing all the time. I think what I would recommend for us is definitely learn about the love and respect cycle and and the principle because that can be a very powerful tool in your tool bag and it can really give you also the vocabulary to talk about your feelings and i know we've talked about the book before but i really do recommend even without the book just studying the principle and thinking and praying about maybe what is meant by that bible verse because it is very wise and it helps us to understand each other better and again i'm gonna repeat myself but if you feel like you are at the end of the road try therapy and don't wait until it's like don't have it as the last resort because sooner you'll go sooner you'll be able to maybe just even see things and i know it can be really difficult and hard especially when you don't know how to fix it but on one hand i think it doesn't necessarily have to be bad that the lockdown revealed things in your marriage mm-hmm. because maybe those things had to be dealt with and just because they weren't obvious or that obvious doesn't mean they weren't there and that they weren't doing their damage yeah so yeah i 100 agree with that like if there are things that were found out during lockdown that are now causing either rockiness in the relationship or, or separation, then those things would have done that either way. Mm-hmm. And it's much better that they've come to light and that because that gives you an opportunity to solve them. Mm-hmm. Do you have established roles or responsibilities or patterns of expectations in your mar- marriage? As far as like practical things around the house or do you mean like within the relationship both both yes and no 
So for example, there are some things that, that Lucy really enjoys doing and I don't enjoy doing it. And so Lucy does that. <laughs> and then there are other things that, that I do enjoy doing and Lucy maybe isn't so crazy about it. So, so those are the things that I get to do. Lucy likes to work in the garden and cultivate plants and everything like that. And I'm not crazy about that. So, so I just leave that to her. I somehow got stuck with the dishes and we, I made it a part of our wedding our wedding promises or, or wedding vows that Lucy would fold the laundry because I hate <laughs> folding laundry. I'll do everything else. I just hate folding it. But as far as relational things though, I think it depends on where we're at. I, we don't have like an, like, we haven't exactly said, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to, to talk about the things that need to be fixed and I'm going to do whatever. We've never established those kinds of roles, but I think we kind of naturally, I think we kind of nat naturally complement each other because maybe when I'm not feeling so great, there are times that I'll, I'll have something with work that just mentally, physically, emotionally drains me. And, and Lucy can see that I'm drained and that I need time to recuperate. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so she, sometimes she usually does, um, allow now me, I do. <laughs> she allows me to, to recuperate in the way that I need to recuperate, whether that's taking a nap or not maybe touching you, not talking to you, not <laughs> kissing you, <laughs> laying on the couch and not staring asking, off into, not asking you what's wrong. <laughs> laying on the couch and staring off into into space for hours at a time which has happened before as well yeah she she allows me that space which is which is helpful and and I try to compliment her in when I see that she's not feeling so great about something I'll try to let her say what she needs to say or just like get it off her off her chest or or we'll we'll do something to where she's able to express or to feel what she needs to feel in that moment so and I think we are still learning. <laughs> How important is an active sex life after marriage to keeping love alive? I would say it's very important. Yeah, 100%. It doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be every hour. I don't know who has the energy for that. If you do, more power to you. If both of you do... <laughs> More power to you. That's not that's not how I'm wired. I'm a very practical person, like we've said maybe a few times. And and so like I I like to use my day in other ways too. And honestly, I found that it's helpful to we we don't have days necessarily where we have it in our calendar like this is sex day. We don't have kill it for me, honestly. We don't have it in our calendar, but I guess like I am aware of the rhythms of our week. And so I know what days are definitely doable and what days, haha, pun intended, and what <laughs> days are not. For example, Wednesdays and Thursdays are very difficult for us because we are busy long into the evening. But other days are a little bit more free. And I'm not going to tell people when because I don't want any phone calls. <laughs> so what if someone expects it to just be spontaneous? Good luck. <laughs> I mean, I think it in the beginning of in the marriage, beginning, or when you're on a vacation, or when you have a like more free time, like maybe a month when you don't have that much work, or you have more days off, or whatever. I guess then 
it's okay. And it actually does sometimes happen spontaneous for us as well. Yeah, yeah. We we don't expect it and then it kind of happens. It's like, oh, I did not expect that. Me you neither. don't expect it. Well, I, I, with us, it's about me waiting for him for the key okay we can because I'm usually okay anyway. So, <laughs> so I'm waiting Stop. for him to be in the headspace for that. Yeah. But I've learned how to recognize that today is not the day and not be sad or hurt or I don't know even frustrated about it and I've also learned how to how to support him in ways that he will be able to be in that headspace but honestly when we feel like there hasn't been a long time when we have been together enough we usually do something like sauna overnight or we go for a two-day trip somewhere we just get out of the routine yeah, yeah. And those are times when you usually can do it more than just. <laughs> yeah. Well, also we we've noticed that like times where where maybe for whatever reason there hasn't been very much sex, then those are the times that we tend to argue more, and those are the times that we tend to like kind of bark at each other, mm-hmm. and and yeah, I would say that and even like just a feeling of well because like I have had this feeling before like well I always have to initiate why doesn't she ever initiate blah, blah, blah. just that it's something stupid it's not it's not something serious so it doesn't need to be taken seriously it's a conversation to be had but it doesn't need to be something that makes or breaks a relationship it just needs to be dealt with that's all and so we're we're learning and I feel like we've come a long way but we're we're still learning and how to deal with that as well. Um, Do you still flirt with each other? And is flirting throughout the day before you know something might happen that evening? Is that important? Definitely helps with the buildup. And it's definitely enjoyable. We flirt sometimes. We don't flirt as much like on like through texting or anything like that. We don't, we don't flirt via text messages or anything like that very often. Lucy's honestly terrible about responding to text messages. Well, I'm in work, so, but I usually, I'm at work too, but it's just (laughs) like a two minute, like not even a two minute, two seconds, but we flirt in other ways too. Or actually we have something that, and this doesn't have to do with sex, but we have this uh, blank book that we write notes Mm -hmm. to each other in randomly. And that's really meaningful, I would say. So it definitely helps with that, that connection, that intimacy. And we don't text often, but when we do, it's special, you know, it's like a special way of letting the other person know I'm just thinking, thinking of you today. how special are our texts from today? Like most of them were talking about money stuff. Yeah, you know, that's okay as well. But we sometimes, I sometimes go and buy something small for Justin, like something that I know he likes, you know. I um, love that. Uh, something sweet or, yeah. or something that just, I know he will enjoy it. Yeah. And we sometimes wing at each other. That's also another thing that we do and no, say, no other couples do that <laughs> and it's not again it's not so much to do with sex more with nourishing the relationship yeah. and i thought because i've heard it before that you have to kind of have that build up you know and you should flirt with each other so there is a better build up but honestly i found that when i was trying to do it i sometimes it was just the wrong day to do it and then i was really like just 
frustrated that I've put so much like effort into it and nothing came out of it. <laughs> and I had to learn to do these things, not because of sex, but just to appreciate him and show him that I love him. Mm. And with, with those small things, that's what essentially creates the marriage as well. Mm. You just have to be nice to each other and do something special once in a while. Let's talk about forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness in a marriage. It's huge. There's, I think forgiveness needs to be like the main attitude or the main main posture in a relationship. If, if you can't, I don't understand people that get together and that don't forgive the person that they're with. And, and I understand that in some, in certain situations, maybe one person has forgiven another, the other person way more often than, than vice versa. But I think that forgiveness needs to be just right at the top because it's, that person is important to you. And so being, having a kind of a, what is the word I'm looking for? Kind of having just, oh my gosh, I can't think of the word. Environment? Having an environment of grace and, and forgiveness and mercy is key to, to a marriage and, and, and to any relationship. Because when you have that, then you, you're also cultivating the ability for, for your person, for your partner to trust you. And a relationship is all about trust. I mean, people cheat because they don't trust. And, or maybe people cheat because they, they feel like um, they are missing something. But you, you can't really miss anything if you're, if you're getting what you need. And the main thing that, that people need is, is to know that they have that safe place with, with their person. Yeah, I think you said it all. And I think with a lot of couples, when they, when they come to a, a really difficult place, it can be difficult to forgive because there are things that are huge. And I guess if you really talk about and really forgive the small things, you will not, you probably won't get to the bigger ones. Mm. And so also if you say it's okay and it's fine and kind of put it aside, it is going to bubble up one day in some other form, uh, whether it's emotion and reacting, overreacting to something that the other person does, or whether it's that same situation repeating over and over and you finally just blow up because you, you've had enough. You've had enough. And it actually happened with us because mm -hmm. Justin sometimes had problems articulating that something is wrong mm. and maybe even he didn't realize oh i actually mind when you do this but then it suddenly blew up on me at, at one point and i had no idea and it was mm. a little bit for me it was it hurt a little bit because i felt like like i've been doing this and you've said nothing and suddenly it's such a big problem yeah. and so we've been both learning i've been learning to read him better so i know that actually is this okay? Like, and and let him letting him the space to tell me giving. what's wrong, giving him the space to tell me what's wrong, 
And then Justin has been learning to talk to me and actually talk to me before it's too late and don't just put it aside, but just dig it up. Closing thoughts from each of you as we wrap up this Sexy Saturday series. It's difficult. It's not comfortable, but it's worth it. And it's worth the fight for it. Be humble and don't be afraid to have conflict. Well, thank you both for being here again. And also, I've said it before, but you have both been very willing and very open to share parts of your lives with the listeners for the benefit that perhaps there is something that might be said in these podcasts from you both that will help someone else. So thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Rise Up with Julie Baumgartner. Thank you for listening today. Rise up and let's be the best that we can be and listen to this podcast that will both motivate and educate. Thank you.